0: lord as we prepare to come and engage with your word this morning we remember that happy are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the lord happy are those who keep his decrees who seek him with their whole heart who also do no wrong but walk in his ways you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently We pray that our ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. We pray that your spirit may make this true for us today and every day. Amen. So this morning, we come to our last morning in Ezra Nehemiah. And we're going to be reading... I saw there was something weird on the screen, but I was too far away. So thanks, Stephanie, for managing that. So this morning, we're going to pick up on the last verse of Nehemiah chapter 9. And then we'll be reading chapter 10, verses 28 through 39. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 38. Because of all this, we make a firm agreement in writing, and on that sealed document are inscribed the names of our officials, our Levites, and our priests. Chapter 10, verse 28. The rest of the people, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to adhere to the law of God, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their kin, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and his ordinances and his statutes. We will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land, Or take their daughters for our sons and if the peoples of the land bring in merchandise or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell we will not buy it from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day we will forgo the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt we also lay on ourselves the obligation to charge ourselves yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the rows of bread, the regular grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Sabbaths, the new moons, the appointed festivals, the sacred donations, and the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and for all the work of the house of our God. We have also cast lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people, for the wood offering, to bring it into the house of our God, by ancestral houses, at appointed times, year by year, to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our soil, and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree, year by year, to the house of the Lord. Also to bring to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, the firstborn of our sons and of our livestock, as it is written in the law, and the firstlings of our herds and of our flocks, and to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the fruit of every tree, the wine and the oil, to the priests, to the chambers of the house of our God, and to bring to the Levites the tithes from our soil. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all our rural towns, and the priest, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive these tithes. And the Levites shall bring up a tithe of the tithes to the house of our God, to the chambers of the storehouse. For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine, and oil to the storerooms where the vessels of the sanctuary are and where the priests that minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are. We will not neglect the house of our God. This is the word of the Lord, and we give thanks for it. So to recap a little where we were last week, because in verse 38, it begins with this word, because, because of all this. Because of all what? because of the great truth that they told about God and about themselves. Here with us last week, you'll hopefully remember that we talked about the story of God's relationship with his people and how it is important for us as God's children as well to take times where we remember our history with God. As we looked on the story that the Israelites told in Nehemiah, we saw these themes of God's grace and steadfast love, even through the people's repeated mistakes. Even though time after time the people of Israel walked away from God, God remained faithful. God upheld the covenant. We, as God's children, though our story might look a little different in the details, I would bet that for almost all of us, those same themes could ring true. As we look at our relationship with God, we see all of the times that we have had to confess that we have fallen short. And yet our God is constant and eternal. His love does not change, but remains steadfast through all of our sin. As we tell those stories to ourselves, as we remember our history with God, we come to this place that Israel did, because of all this we make a firm agreement in writing and on that sealed document are inscribed the names of the leaders the names of those who represented what would have been the church for israel now for us this looks a little different because unlike the people of Israel, we have had Jesus come. We have had the account of Jesus ascending into heaven, but leaving his spirit with us, such that we are all able to be a priesthood. So it is on each and every one of us to have that commitment with God Reaffirmed. It is up to each and every one of us who desire to continue faithfully keeping covenant with God to renew our vows to God. In verses 28 through 28 or 39, the NRSV titles this passage The Story of the Covenant a very unromantic name for it, but it captures the truth of that what those verses lay before us are the actual actions that the people will take. Not in an effort to earn God's love and grace, because that comes first, but to respond to God's love and grace. To say God has kept covenant with us and we desire to keep trying to be faithful to that same covenant. And here is what it looks like. On a daily basis, how do we seek to keep covenant with God? If we were to think about this today, That same work lays before us. Take the greatness of our relationship with God. To take the amazing truth of God's steadfast love. To let it transform our hearts such that we desire to respond to God. And then we say, what does that look like? I've noticed a trend amongst my friends that as they get married, I see wedding ceremonies that more and more have the traditional vows, but then the bride and the groom will also share their own vows. They'll take the truth of what marriage is, of what that covenant is, and they'll apply it to their own unique relationship. It's often humorous and speaks to their history together. Perhaps they jokingly say, who will do the dishes, who will vacuum the floor? But the point is that they have taken this big idea of marriage of covenanting to each other. And they have ascribed to it very practical daily tasks through which they're going to seek to show each other that they are still committed to that covenant. Those tasks don't come first and they don't make a marriage, but they are ways to show that they are still committed. As Christians, we are called to take this big idea of being God's chosen people, God's children, and we are called to ascribe to that big idea the daily tasks that we as the church and as disciples of Christ are going to hold ourselves accountable to, to show that we are still committed to this relationship with God. That we seek to continually renew our vows to God because we know through scripture and through the sacraments of baptism and communion that God continually renews his vows with us. His spirit testifies in our hearts that God still loves us, still desires to be in relationship with us. So, how do we respond? For us as Christians, this is a twofold task. Each of us as individuals has been called by God have our own unique history with God. We have our own areas of strength and weakness. And so it is up to each of us as individuals to say how we desire to show our commitment to God. Whether it be reading scripture more, setting aside a time for daily prayer engaging in acts of service, or being more honest in our times of confession. Whatever it is, it is up to us to identify how we want to respond to God's love. And the beauty of God's love is that even when we stumble, even when we fail to uphold that commitment, God is willing to grant us forgiveness. God is willing to let us renew our vows and try again. God calls us as individuals, but God also calls us as a church. And so we, as a church community, also share that task of taking this big idea of relationship with God and ascribing to it actual tasks, actual practices of what it looks like for us as a church to respond to God's grace to be moved and transformed by that grace so that we can demonstrate the glorious name of God to the world. Trinity Church has the opportunity right now to say, what does this look like? How do we Respond to God's grace. How do we answer that call to be on mission for God? COVID nineteen pandemic has made some parts of ministry harder. And we certainly grieve and lament the loss of life, the loss of health. But we also pause as a church to look at what new opportunities might come, to renew our commitment to God, but to say perhaps in this new season our commitment might look different. The ways that we show our love to God and our neighbor can take on new form. And scripture perhaps urges us to recognize that they might have to take on new form. To faithfully respond to God's love in this season might look different. Are we as Christ Community Church up to the task of applying the truth of our relationship with God to our current situation? of being imaginative in what it looks like to build God's kingdom, to go and make disciples, to proclaim his name to the ends of the earth? Are we going to be faithful in showing up and doing the work of building our relationship with God, even as new distractions and temptations cross our path? morning, in particular, we are invited to God's table to remember that God is the host, that God offers us in abundance everything we need. Do we accept that invitation? Do we come with joy and gladness to the table of the Lord, celebrating with the brothers and sisters on either side of us who have also answered that call? Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper that we are about to celebrate is a feast of remembrance, of communion, and of hope. We come in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent of the Father into the world to assume our flesh and blood and to fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death Of the cross. By his death, resurrection, and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation so that we might be accepted of God and never forsaken by him. We come to have communion with this same Christ, a Christ who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthens us unto eternal life. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. We come in hope believing that this bread and this cup are our pledge and foretaste of the feast of love, of which we shall partake when his kingdom has fully come, when with unveiled face we shall behold him, made like unto him in his glory. Since by his death, resurrection, and ascension, Christ has obtained for us the life-giving spirit, who unites us all in one body. So are we to receive the supper in true love, mindful of the communion of the saints. We acclaim you, holy God, glorious in power. Mighty works reveal your wisdom and love. You formed us in your own image, giving the whole world into our care. So that in obedience to you, our creator, we might rule and serve all your creatures. When our disobedience took us far from you, you did not abandon us to the power of death. In your mercy, you came to our help, so that in seeking you, we might find you. Again and again, you called us into covenant with you. And through the prophets, you taught us to hope for salvation. Almighty God, you love the world so much that in the fullness of time, you sent your only Son to be our Savior. Incarnate by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, he lived as one of us, yet was without sin. To poor, he proclaimed the good news of salvation, to prisoners' freedom to the sorrowful joy. To fulfill your purpose, he gave himself up to death, and rising from the grave, destroyed death and made the whole creation new. That we might live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died and rose for us. God sent the Holy Spirit, God's first gift of all who believe, to complete God's work in the world to bring fulfilment to fulfillment the sanctification of all. When the hour had come for him to be glorified by you, his heavenly father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. At supper with them, he took bread, and after giving thanks to you, his heavenly father, He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, the renewal of vows sealed in my blood shed for you and for all the forgiveness of your sins whenever you drink it do it in remembrance of me holy god we now celebrate this memorial of our redemption recalling christ's death and his descent among the dead proclaiming his resurrection and ascension to your right hand awaiting his coming in glory and offering to you from the gifts you have given us this bread and this cup we praise you and we bless you we give thanks to you and we pray to you lord our god together we proclaim our faith as signed and sealed in this sacrament. And I invite you to repeat after me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We come not because we ought, but because we may. Not because we are righteous, but because we are penitent. Not because we are strong, but because we are weak. Not because we are whole, but because we are broken. All who are truly sorry for their sins, who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and who desire to live in obedience to him as Lord, come now, for all is ready. The gifts of God for the people of God. I invite you now to take your bread. Take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of Christ was given for you. I invite you now to take your cup. Take, drink, remember, and believe that the blood of Christ was shed for you. We come as individuals and as a church community, this Sunday and every Sunday and all the days in between, to respond to God's love, to show that we are committed to the continuing building of our relationship with God, to be reminded of all that he has done for us, and to respond to the goodness and the truth. We come because God first loved us. As we proclaim now in this simple but truthful song, Jesus loves me.